this is the Wild Honey Collective. You are here with official friend of the podcast, Amanda Pressgraves. And I'm your host, Amelia. So we're back to talk Mm -hmm. about... We're back in the studio. We're back in the studio. (laughs) Mixing it up to talk about the non-recipe book, which has just come out in print. We're both here holding our copies, and we take them everywhere. It's also my journal now. Uh Uh-huh, that's what it's meant for. (laughs) But the non... Amanda Pressgraves is here as a newly minted author and she has come out with the non-recipe book to not only talk with you about how to approach cooking but also to how to approach life with the mindset of curiosity and adventure so welcome amanda thank you it's um i will say amelia and i have been jamming for like 20 minutes before we got to (laughs) we're like time out we should do the intro so you can bounce around kind of just like my book and how it's like I talk about divergent thinking a lot and how we don't need to think very linearly. It was like that was us in action doing that. <laughs> we were like, wait, go. We were like, wait, go. And we just jumped right into it. It's like going into a cold pool, you know, on like a freezing day. you just like, I just got to jump in and do it. And now but, we're warmed up. Yeah, now we're warmed up. I'm like, okay, now that our brain, we, it's, we defogged. We get it. Let's start from the beginning where the people are. We have um, to throw it all out on, yeah. the, on the board. Well, kind of... well, here's the thing. is like the second that you were like, would you want to do a podcast? I have not stopped like looking forward to it since. And <laughs> I think it's also because we never get the chance to sit down and talk together. Like in a quiet space. Like usually we run so into true. each other. And so like I've actually, I feel like I am bursting out of the seams because I just want to have conversation with you. And I've been looking forward to this moment. So this is... Amanda, yeah. <laughs> I, it is 9am on a Thursday, and I, every time that I see Amanda, and I have a couple people in my life like this, actually tons, but adult friendships, it's yes. like we're, these are the times that we get to flourish, mm-hmm. and every time that we get the chance to talk to each other, it's like boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 yeah. boom, and the last time that Amanda and I talked together, it ended into like a three-hour conversation at a brewery that went into probably like 1 a.m. Oh my gosh, and, and also like playing closing it's, time. Yeah, or like everyone out is like out there dancing with the with the band, and we're like having this like in-depth conversation about like my wedding and like what's the meaning <laughs> of of ceremony. I mean, just like what does food and celebration yeah. have to offer us in divergent Absolutely. things? Absolutely, and like how, what is this meaningful way that we can conjoin together and have ritual? I mean, how do we like, smash the patriarchy and yeah. still get married? <laughs> I know. How do I not um, be passed off and, and owned by another man? You know, all these like larger questions, but like, you know, we're just like <laughs> sipping our tea slash beer and like, I realized, oh, we haven't talked to anyone else here in no, the past we, three we hours. No, we actually gathered a small, we intimate did. circle mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. us. It was yeah. magical. I it just, is. I love these types of moments. So, welcome, listeners. Mm-hmm. This is where we're at this morning, mm-hmm. and this is where that we're coming That is it. In. I'm studying it. Amanda, please, <laughs> will you please tell us, what is the real... Um, purpose of this book what is the message that you're trying to get across to people and how does it start as a cookbook and then transcend that okay so I think like the best way to answer that question is like understanding a little bit of how I started writing this because my intentions where I when I began writing this evolved so much yet stayed so true to what um I had in my heart the whole time so I started this because my whole life, people have always 
like come with me with the question like how did you make that and they'd point at my lunch in middle school or come into my kitchen or it'd be like in an, a meeting with a company or like you know it's a company party people like oh my gosh this dish is so good or my friends come over and I I'd be like I don't know like I really don't <laughs> and I'd start like Vo- like word vomiting all the things I did in my process. It just like, happened. Yeah, I, and, then, and then I just finished with, I don't know, it just came together. And <laughs> and I was really sick of answering that question. And so I, like what, it was, you know, about this time of year actually, three years ago, I was like, I'm going to start tracking this. I'm going to start writing down my process on a whiteboard. I'm going to start documenting what I'm doing and and share these recipes that I'm making. <clears throat> recipes, keyword recipes at the time. So I started writing it on a whiteboard and like it took me maybe like two evenings of doing this to realize I was the last person to be writing a cookbook. I've never followed a recipe like my entire life. And, (laughs) and as I began, um, becoming more intimate with my own writing process, I realized that I've never followed a recipe for how I live my life either. And so like, there's gotta be something in that connection. And it started as an ability to like write it on the whiteboard. There's like something about it that is like very forgiving. Like you can get messy. It doesn't need to be perfect. It's not a neat pen. Do you throw it on there? I would take a picture and I'd move on. And it makes it seem like this was a really clear, like linear, like this is my documentation of the process. Science. It, yeah, like a science. It definitely was not like that. Like I lost the photos at times. Like my computer died. <laughs> like I was like pulling this from the depths of the earth, trying to recover my non-recipes, what they later became. But it was... I felt so weird, like, writing these, like, meticulously detailed uh, measurements of my food because that's not it at all. It is, like, absolutely eyeballed. It's by taste. It's whatever the hell is in my fridge and what's going on in the season, what someone gifted to me, the leftovers that I have. Like, there is no there is no perfect process to it, but the process is the thought process. And so it took about two years to kind of nail down and realize that there's a thought process to it. It's not necessarily these like uh, tried and true instructions for navigating the kitchen. Mm. Um, It's a way that we approach it with our mind. And that's what this book then became. And where it got really challenging was that uh, the reason that I approached it this way is because this is how my brain works. I had to understand my brain and like how to explain that to people, Um, which meant I needed to understand myself, which meant I needed to process a lot about like my life and how I looked at my brain. Um, and that's really, I think like anyone that creates something realizes there's like a huge healing process to, uh, accepting parts of themselves. And like, of course, like the ironic part is like so many of my like essays are about that yet. I didn't even realize how apparent it was until the very end of like, it was like when writing my epilogue was when it like all came together. And I realized that like, Okay, I feel like I'm just get like going off about my book, but this is what we're here for. Um, yeah, it was like in writing that that epilogue and trying to like put a closing chapter on this book. It was like when I fully accepted myself, and that like writing that in tears on my back porch, like over basically last summer, was like a hard hitting moment I'll never forget because it. I thought I was gonna like go <clears throat> through this book writing process like like piecing through my like clearly marked manila envelopes and like understanding my brain and putting it into its files and it was like the fucking opposite it was like the worst most like tumultuous messy process I've ever done in my entire life I've created like multiple businesses this was the hardest thing I've ever done and (laughs) but what happened at the end of the day was that I accepted that 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 was my brain and like I I understood that this is just how I think and 
this is the byproduct of that mm. was like accepting my full self um and sharing that that is so beautiful yeah. and that that's being an artist yeah. or someone who shares their story and oh my god i can i can relate to this feeling of actually starting a project and then from that moment mm-hmm. that you bring it into being whether mm-hmm. it's like in front of people yeah. or it's a private process you're actually trying to catch up with that thing mm-hmm. like it's kind of whole before you are oh my gosh well okay I'm so glad you mentioned this because I wouldn't have finished this if I didn't crowdfund my book so like we can and we can talk about the book like publishing process in a second but it's fucking expensive this is not a cheap thing it's a very privileged thing to write a book and that's why I worked with a publishing company that leverages and elevates all voices because usually how writing a book is like someone comes knocking at your door and is like, you're famous. You made it. We want to hear your story. No one came knocking at my door begging me <laughs> to write a book. Okay. Like I really had to want to do this. And I often ask myself like, what the fuck did you take this on? Like, this is just ridiculous. But when I crowdfunded to raise money and like everyone who pre-ordered my book and supported me, it's, it's the reason that this book happened. Mm-hmm. That's the, it's not just the reason that, financially came to life like emotionally people became invested and what really hit me last month when starting to write these notes through the book and I wrote very personalized notes for every single person that supported me it connected me to so many new people too that through second connections and people who shared my book um they didn't support the book like they supported me yeah and that was really hard for me to come to terms with and recognizing this this isn't even about my book this is like people who love me and, like, that, if you really let that sink in, it, it is a overwhelming feeling. Like, I think a lot of times we just, like, push past that stuff. Like, oh, yeah, thank you. You know, it's no big deal. But um, the reason why this became possible was because so many people would check in on me and be like, how's your book going? Um, oh, my gosh, where are you at in the process? And it was, like, really hard to say that every time and explain. Like, it's actually really um, not going well. <laughs> and I'm really stuck. Um <laughs> It's really, it's really hard right now, but, um, the community aspect of sharing and bringing someone along with the journey of publishing and everything I shared with them was never about my book. Actually, it was about like the process of writing it. And that's what, um, that's what ended up like giving meaning to it was that it was a shared project. This doesn't feel like I did this a lot of times, like any creative act or like an artist is doing something like quietly in their room. And certainly like I had those moments, but like this book was a shared project. So there was meaning to it because other people were a part of that journey, whether they were beta reading it, testing my non recipes, uh, just checking in on me, knowing that they were on the other side that I, that I promised this to them that like changed what this means to me. I feel like I'm holding like many different people in this book Mm. that were a part of it. So, you know, going back to what you were saying on, like the creative and like artistic process of making something and it can be kind of lonely or by yourself or what like makes it so whole is that you go through this process like I don't know I think what gave meaning to it was that it was a shared project yeah totally and I I will always do that now I don't think anything any creative act can be done by yourself like it's too hard yeah if it's if it's really that authentic and honest mm-hmm. look at truth mm-hmm and you touched on that when you talked about the healing of writing this book. Uh-huh. Um, 
I'd love for you to talk about um, the the kind of food that has guided <clears throat> you through this process and the kind of food that you want other people mm. to find not like yeah, yeah meal plans yeah not the but like necessarily... what does it what does the food represent yeah for you and what are you hoping to help others find so when I see when you say food I didn't realize like how a visual person I was until you said that it's like <laughs> There's, like, neon lights that pop up in my head, and then there's little, like, tentacles sticking off. Kind of like that, the the book, how my book has a bunch of arrows places. Like, food is, food is my family. Like, food is, like, my garden. Food is movement for me. Like, food is, like, my spirit. And <clears throat> I'm seeing all these areas that it is, and they're not all as large and sticking out and bold and emphasized at the same time. It ebbs and flows, Right. And through the process of of writing this book, I had to constantly make sure I was feeding myself with what I needed to show up um, fully and and create my best work. Yeah. And what I'm really proud of was during that process, I never sacrificed um, my mental health. <clears throat> I never sacrificed my friendships. Of course, like I did would you, when pursuing anything really challenging. There are areas that go on the back burner right yeah. and I, t- I talk about that in my book like it the kitchen is like a dance and a juggle and sometimes you know the rice is simmering in the background and you're like sauteing the tempeh up front and we we it's a dance and we move around but it is a dance and things shift and change and um yes maybe I didn't have as many dinners with my friends during that time period but I did get to take trips I did still race actually I had the best performances of my life despite some of the most um challenging emotionally experiencing times of writing this book and also um uncertain and feeling so stuck in the writing and creative process but yeah I made sure that like I never sacrificed my sleep like something oh was so goodness. simple as that like I never sacrificed that um I never sacrificed like working through um the stories that I talk about in this book um I made sure like I still cook dinner for myself, like such a simple thing that we can be like, okay, no, I'm not doing that tonight. I'm too exhausted. But no, that process gave to me. It was a reset. It was a moment to check in with myself. And that's what the kitchen can give us every time. And it's not necessarily like when Amelia is like, what foods, what, what fed you? It's like, it's not the broccoli like she's talking about. It's not like the broccoli that season was really good. I know what you mean, Amelia. Like it's not that's not the ingredient was it the thai peanut sauce okay it was (laughs) slathering myself and taking a dive in the peanut sauce honestly which you will find in a pie chart (laughs) kind of like here's the ratio of chili paste to peanut butter which i I ate last night honestly like i was really feeling that like warm like just sensation of like peanut butter kidding it's not the thai peanut yeah it's not the thai peanut sauce shockingly um (laughs) There, it was not, I think what many times in my life when I've pursued big goals, whether that was like a getting my professional license. Um, I really, I went for my triathlon professional license um, almost five years ago now. And the process of doing that, I got injured. I got burnt out. I had to take, I was on crutches and in a boot for 15 weeks for multiple stress fractures. Like Oof. you start to sacrifice 
your intentions and what led you to doing that in the first place and you lose it. And I never lost, I never lost like the golden, like my North star in writing this book. And I think that was what I'm most proud of is that like I stayed so true to myself and my process through this and like through editors wanting to take things out of my book, through people presenting how my non recipes should be displayed, not ever my illustrator, but other, other editors through the process. Um, mm. It was like staying true to like my creative intentions and <clears throat> that you can't do that without constantly feeding yourself. That is success. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is success through this process. I'm so happy to hear that. And as I can totally relate, like even with this podcast, like times where I've been trying to like put an episode out on time about Mm. taking care of yourself. Oh my gosh. About intuition. Oh, oh, Oh my gosh. And I remember like I wrote on like, you know, the process of how things like take their own time or healing or just (laughs) um, how there's no timeline for this. And yet I was like weeping in my bed. I'm like, when will I feel better? When will I get it? You know? And it's like so funny because the, um, even like in sharing, like presenting and like sharing this book to the world, like I was still like overwhelmed with like fear and like uncertainty about the, how that'll go. And I was like, yeah, I just wrote a whole book about this. And yet like, it's all a process. We still like, don't we know never what we're stop. doing. We never stop. Like, I was like, where do people would be like, so why, like, where do you want to take this book? I'm like, I don't know. I just expressed myself. Like I had no, it, I wasn't going to like create a company with it or I just was just expressing myself. Like that's all it was. <laughs> and that's, and it, and it will grow yeah. from here, but in the most you natural way, you should. You have to create and express. Mm-hmm. And so really beautiful answer <clears throat> to that question, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, I wonder if you can kind of demystify the writing process, Mm. the publishing process. If for someone who's listening to this and thinking like, wow, what, how do you start and what is, how do you stick with it? Mm -hmm. So when I first started, um, it, I'm kind of like one to like, when I commit, like I commit. And I try not to stick with something just because I said I was going to do it. I've learned, but I definitely, like, when I say I'm going to do something, like, I really mean it. And I I thought I was just going to self-publish my book. And I took some workshops. I, like, learned from friends who had self-published their books. And um, I started off writing. Just, I, I began a writing process my senior year of college. Um, I studied exercise science. And nothing to do with writing at all but like any everything in my life up to that point was sport and that's all I really saw myself as being too we talked about that a little bit like on the last podcast but Mm -hmm. um we took a class on behavior change and this really applies to everything there's actually behavior change psychology in my book still because it's just a topic that really interests me um and we had to create a new habit have you ever heard power of habit um, by Charles Duhigg. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Duhigg. Gosh, we'll have to check that one out. Um, but he he writes this whole process of how we can change and, like, create a new habit for ourselves. And most people were like, I want to drink, you know, eight cups of water a day. I want to get eight hours of sleep. I want to create an exercise habit. Those are all, like, very valid, like, habits and things that – practices in our life that really are enriching. For me, like, something told me I should start writing. And um, – Perhaps because I had never been one to like sit down with my thoughts before and I never saw myself as a writer. Yet like now looking back at my old journals, I've always been a writer. Like it's always been how I process things. I just didn't realize it at the time. And 
it started off like in building a habit, you like start slow and steady. You don't overcommit and say, I'm going to do 20 minutes every day at once. It's like three days a week for 10 minutes yeah. and you start writing. Well, eventually it led to me writing every single day. Mm. And like that started in 2016 and that's continued to today. And so I had a lot of, I had a lot of content built up from my writing. Nothing that was like a book necessarily. This is all scattered stuff. And there is so much that didn't make my book that we just put into what we call the parking lot. Like, it's like, it's great writing, but it's not for this book. And that's like my editors constantly had to ask me that. What's for this book, though? That's a great story, but that's not for this book. And um, so started off self-publishing. I knew I could commit to the practice. I knew I could write. And um, it took me maybe like three months before I realized that I really needed support. I think it's okay to, and it's actually really it's a sign of self-awareness when we recognize like I can't do this by myself Mm. and this is wild but in 2017 at an entrepreneurship concert conference in New York I met a professor who started a class at a Georgetown and he for the class he got his students to write a book by the end of the semester Whoa. And that's where this publishing company was birthed. It's called New Degree Press, and it's a hybrid publishing company. So it's all about, like, the process of of uh, writing a community and, and giving voices to unheard stories um, and how anyone can be a writer, really. And mm. it's, like, again, like, kind of taking away that privilege of writing. Like, as long as you are, like, working hard and putting your work down, like, anyone can make this happen, and we can help, like, get funding around this. Oh, that's amazing. that's how this started. So I met him, and in 2017, we had a call about, like, writing a book. And at that time, I was like, I really one day want to write, but I just don't know what I want to write about. Like, I just think it's not quite there yet. And I remember that conversation, and he actually saw that I was self-publishing, and we were friends on Instagram, and he reached out to me and was like, hey, we have another cohort. This is actually, like, grant-funded this semester. Do you want to write your book with us? And that's how it happened. Whoa. Yeah. And so that's how I got reconnected. And this is, like, 2019? This, yeah, this is, like, 20, 2019, 2020 at this point. Um, and he – that's how it all started. Whoa. And so that's how we reconnected on it. And it was, like, I totally forgot. I didn't forget we had that conversation. The notes are still on my computer. I – and the what we talked about is exactly what this fucking book is. Isn't that <laughs> insane? But I didn't have the words for it yet. Like, I hadn't processed these things myself yet. Yeah. But I knew that there was something there. Trust that it's in Trust you. Trust it's... That has been something I've had to practice so much. Is, like, remembering and knowing... Just having a deep knowing that that's there. It's been there. It's, it's going to be there. And it's going to emerge whenever it... Mm. In its own form when the time comes. Oh, my goodness. So, talk about, like, that being a lesson in like trusting that process but that's how this so I worked with New Degree Press it's a hybrid publishing company and um once I realized yeah self-publishing is really awesome but I'm gonna need teams and I'm gonna need with how my brain works I need other people to like give me some direction hold me accountable and also be like Amanda that connection makes absolutely no sense to anyone else but you like in all honesty like that makes that you my, it was too messy. I didn't know how to connect to these certain conversations and topics. And I needed to talk it out loud with people. Yeah. Um, I needed to go back to the drawing board. I needed to use a lot of sticky notes. I needed to reconnect. I built this book together, unbuilt it, rebuilt it, broke it down, burned it thousands of times. <laughs> like, like burn this, it. <laughs> I burned it down. This chapter structure changed 
I'm not exaggerating dozens of times. I wasn't sure how to organize this. And it turned out into this beautiful, weird yeah, thing. And it's I mean so weird, weird as a compliment. It's, like Because it's, it's unlike <laughs> anything else out there. And, oh my God, I see this and I'm just so proud of all the work it took me to reflect on what this... Really to put words and language to what I experience in my head. Um, it's very intimate. It's very intimate. Yeah. I'm, we're both paging through our copies, and <laughs> I just I can't just stop touching gazing, it. Sometimes it's like disbelief. Gazing still. lovingly at the book, um, but I'm looking at the table of contents, okay. and the first section is all about the concepts. Yeah, you call it foundations, mm-hmm. and you are kind of explaining mm. your whole philosophy yes. toward towards food and life, and it's a big endeavor. Mm. Like you bit off a big chunk here and yeah. I was like, like can I really section. and I feel even like <laughs> and even, it's a slim book guys it's, it's slim, slim it's 220 be, pages it's slim because it's a 7 by 10 book so it's larger than your traditional book so well, this yeah. actually was more expensive to print well not only because of the color guys it's not cheap to print a worth book it. Um, it, but so worth, worth, it. It. worth it but it's also um, it was expensive because I went over my word count of a typical nonfiction book so I had to pay extra money for the printer because okay. I had too many words okay wow <laughs> so there's a lot in here but um going back to that first part of like the philosophy um even in this book I could go so deep on these conversations and each of these topics that I start off introducing but the point is that it's like it is foundational like I'm saying so let's go deeper we can go deeper in conversation I can talk to people and I can create more books out of this right but yes I'm not I'm not here to overwhelm people with information I'm here to start them off and get them started it's like it's not supposed to be overwhelming and that's like the importance of like introducing someone to any new concept is like meet them where they're at and show, that's what don't I tell. show don't tell meet them where they're at they will find it out through the process so I didn't need to explain it to them but I needed to kind of show them where we're starting so those foundations you know chapter one I start off bringing in design thinking which is a way of approaching problem solving and kind of call it opportunity seeking opportunity solving and it's like how do how do we relook at the challenge of perhaps like creating something in the kitchen or like approaching any problem in our life? And um, that's I start there. Then I go into why I think like this, and it goes back like originates with my childhood and growing up with ADHD and really having this message in my head that like so I was broken that something was wrong with me for a long time mm-hmm. for thinking the way that I did, um, for having the energy that I did for being, um, for calling out in class, for being too rambunctious, for, uh, being too loud, having too much energy, like all these things that I, that were suppressed in me that I now realize are what make me who I am. And I hate how I, we put a label on that as like a negative thing. And I think instead we could look at it as like, this is a gift, right? And I use my ADHD, but insert any element of us that differentiates us from another person. Um, I take that into mental toughness and like really that's when I bring in self-compassion, which I think is an underpinning of so much of our approach to the kitchen, which we talked about in the last podcast. Um, yeah. But I grew up as a competitive athlete thinking that I could just like with sheer force and hard work, I could push my way through anything that be emotional challenges or a set in the pool. Um, that's very false. And there's actually, we can be really kind to ourselves and um, get and a lot further can and, be and strength can be like, yes, yeah, soft and, and kind receptive. Yeah. yeah. So 
then I go into how that strengthens a connection to our body. And like when we approach with more self-compassion, um, we, you know, we are stronger for that. And then I go into how, what we eat is not just about like how that changes our physical body. It's like what's happening inside of us. I really like, and I want the reader to begin looking at food as like so much more than like how changing their body weight or like the way that they look in the mirror, but like, like recognize how that's helping build muscles in your body or like, uh, helping you increase your focus or allowing you to sleep better. Like there's so much more there's like food has such healing magical powers and like, let's not look at it as this like calories in calories out. And that's when I begin like peeling back all of this and introducing, okay, let's dive in. (laughs) Let's get in the kitchen. Let's mix it up. I absolutely love that. Would you read us something from the book? Okay. So, um, you asked me to read a part of the book that encompasses um, my relationship to food and how I approach the kitchen and myself. And I felt like it was really hard to find a section that succinctly captured that because that took me 226 pages. But um, I think there's a section in the introduction that will resonate with listeners of the pod and is a little bit of a sneak peek into like why this was so complicated to write. Um, And I start off here. I kind of talk about, like, my process in the kitchen, and I go into saying, the reality of the world we live in is one pervasive with negative body image, capitalism profiting on our insecurities, a world muddled with confusing food messages and a constant gnawing at our self-esteem. It's why I found recipes to be so narrow, simple-minded, and fall short when I've experienced, seen, and learned too much through my work in engaging with our food system. This book takes a new approach to recipes. The answer isn't in what we eat and which ways we choose to move, but how we approach it, when and why. It's a somber realization when what drives you to create change often paralyzes you in the process. Food is incredibly complex and multidimensional. You can't consider food without considering social justice and race, food access, nutritional health, the environment, culture, psychology, the list goes on. For me to look at something so nuanced and attempt to boil it into something so simple as a recipe troubled me. There are real true issues in our food system and perpetuated across our culture that complicates the relationship to our food and ourselves. Set recipes inexplicably force us into a trained pattern of believing there is one single way, that if we barely deviate, we are bound for a burnt, ill-tasting, failed meal. Recipes reflect society's undertone in following directions from a place of paralysis and a fear of inadequacy. You! Yeah. Goodness. Preach the good word. That, and that's just getting started. That's my intro. That is in the introduction. <laughs> that is on page two. That is it. That is it. <laughs> I... I just feel like you said a mouthful there. I did. And I'm so grateful that you said it. (laughs) It's, gosh, and, like, that paragraph, I think, like, since we're talking about the process, is what, like, in the early beginnings, what made it really hard for me to write a book was because, like, how the hell am I supposed to capture this? Like, I knew I didn't want to tell people how to eat. Like, I knew I didn't want to write a book about that. Yet, like, people keep asking for that. Tell me how to eat and what I should eat and, like, what's going to make me feel perfect. And I was like, I don't talk a story. Yeah, I was like, I don't have that. Like, no one's actually going to have that for you. And anyone that's telling you that is lying to you and profiting off of you and taking advantage of you because they don't know what's good for you. 
And and there's such a nuance between trying to share what has worked for you yes. and to offer, mm-hmm. like, to be a helper, to yes. be a steward, which yes. is what you are doing, and then to also recognize that we are programmed to seek one way mm-hmm. and it's to easy. compare that against what we think yeah. we is intuitive and natural to yes. us. And I remember on our last conversation, we went pretty deep into these dynamics around the food system Mm -hmm. and it's very once you get into the process of trying to talk about food you run into like oh indigenous food ways and like the ways that where our body image our Mm self-image is like contorted and twisted in comparison oh yeah it's like I mean when we're butting up against a 70 billion dollar diet industry that is like doing everything in their power to tell you that you're inadequate and like whatever you try to do is not enough like those messages catch up to us at some point or another whether we're conscious of it or not and that's just one aspect of it and it like makes this it makes us all unsure of how to approach food which makes us question how to approach our life when like we have these answers like we our ancestors the, our indigenous communities that came before us, like, they knew these ways. They didn't question what they should eat. It was passed down. Mm-hmm. It was right in our natural environment. Yep. There were agricultural Cues. and forest and ecological systems that have been so fragmented yes. and so abused. And those, we are living in a state of separation yeah. from what is natural to our bodies. Yeah. And that has really polluted our minds. Mm-hmm. I wonder, okay, so I have a story. <laughs> I have a story of from last night. Okay. That I think I want to tell you. Oh. And it's, it's inspired by you. I knew I was going to be having this conversation okay. with you. This is last night. And mm. I came home. Like I was telling you, I have an irregular work schedule, so I came home at, like, 3 p.m., and I was like, ooh, let me, like, feel the sun on my face, Um, unwind from the work day. It was a sunny winter day, Mm -hmm, but we've, like, just transitioned into the cold of winter. Like, it's late November here. Yeah, like, two days ago, went from summer to winter. (laughs) And this morning, it was snowing. And so I was just feeling so grateful for, like, presence. Yes. And then that gratitude and feeling of, like, ooh, I have these golden hours. I have this Mm. time at home by myself. Mm. I put on some Nora Jones. Oh, my gosh. It's a time to just kind of cry. Like, it's like you get emotional. I was in my groove. I was really feeling, like, yeah. I was really feeling at peace. Mm-hmm. So I put on some Nora Jones. I pulled out the non-recipe <laughs> book. I so opened, I wanted to be used. I opened it to the page just with, like, illustrations and just kind of, mm. like, I read one of your little vignettes here. Oh, I wonder um, which one you read. I, I'd have to find it, and I will. One regret, regret from a creative perspective was that I didn't index uh, each of the non-recipes. And perhaps it, that means that you have to just go pull up a, a page and find it yourself. But I hear that. Um, it does make it hard for you to probably pull up that page and find it. <laughs> <laughs> unless, you, unless you just remember it from the recipe that you were looking at. And that's but okay. But 
I okay. I think it might have been flexing your creative oh. muscles, building the courage muscles. Oh, building the courage muscles. Yeah. So I have it open to that page, but I was like looking at my fridge. And I had an enormous pot mm. of rice. I made more than I should oh, have. I was right. like, let me fry this rice. Yeah. And I had um, some chorizo that mm. Cornelius had made into, um, like, these patties with peppers and lemon <sighs> spices. And I had fermented beets. And I just started, like, I cut up a bunch of broccoli and onion and garlic and cut it up really small and just started sauteing it in a bunch of olive oil I was really thinking through all of like the elements of like Mm -hmm. where are we building the flavor that's a great yeah and oh and we had had this crock pot of soup that was like oyster mushroom and like tomato base and I, like, put that on top of it, just, like, globbed it in yeah, the Yeah, you're like, let's see what happens here. <laughs> and then so it was, like, put in the rice, put in the smoked gouda. Yeah. Like, I, I had some really special like things going on. And the and chorizo. It. It's going to come together. So I had, like, the tomato, the mushroom, yes. the chorizo. That was all umami. And then I had the smoked gouda. That was smoky umami. Mm. Then I, <laughs> I had the, the ooh, smoky, the I spice. had daikon radishes that I like sliced really thin and I'm going into all the details because all of this stuff yes. I was like what do I do with these ingredients yeah right you're <laughs> like uh where, how what am I even going for but with I the had like here? these things that had been prepared ahead mm-hmm. of time by someone else and it was just like ooh ooh ooh, ooh. and that's <laughs> what I want that's like that's the best feeling it was ooh 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 and then I was cooking it all up I was really starting to just like brown the rice mm. on high heat and just seal Get in that mommy and then my friend Remy came in and they were borrowing something from Also me I love there. Remy's food Remy I Remy, see your foods What a You're- what a chef I I always look at their their plates and deep intuitive cooking. Yes, in the color, um, I see it because I I know what this looks like. To other people, they'd be like, "What the hell is that? Why is that all on the plate <laughs> together?" But like what you're coming to in this moment, don't yuck my yum. That's literally the page. Yes. That's yes. literally the page. Yes. So I, by the time I finished this, Remy, it was coming in at the like moment of completion. Mm-hmm. I was so hungry. Yeah. And Remy comes in. We, I like put a bunch of food on their plate, and we're just sitting. Nora Jones is playing, and mm. I was sitting here looking at this thing, feeling so proud of it, feeling so excited to eat it, and just like feeling like oh this was a creative thing yes. and it turned out so well but so also it looked so bad it was like <laughs> <laughs> it looked because the the shredded fermented beets made it look like pink ground raw <laughs> meat it looked like a pan full of raw and it's meat. like burnt rice <laughs> But we were both so ready to dive in, and we were both enjoying it so much, like cup of tea. And just, like, 
flavor bombs exploding in your mouth flavor bombs with each bite like it just sounds like there was so much depth to the meal and what you put in there and And I was sitting there thinking like this is the essence of Amanda's whole approach hearing you say this is like if I (laughs) if everyone told me that was their experience with cooking and and I love to hear every experience that someone takes when they when they try and understand but this one in particular is one I am so excited that this was conveyed and like you had that you're like you didn't look at that and say shit this looks disgusting because that's unfortunately like what so many people see if it's like this like un, just like mushy raw meat beef. I knew yeah I had confidence yes you did I knew that it was gonna be good and I knew that I could fix the texture by just like putting the high heat on and browning it all yeah but it looked like raw meat yeah, that's why there's no pictures in my book. <laughs> but I, you know, hearing you say that, it's like, and then the the activity of sharing that with Remy and you guys both appreciating the the intention that you put into this dish too, and also there's an, another layer to it because there were there were dishes that were made before you, like that Cornelius had created. So then you're there's this like this undertone of uh, gratitude for what Cornelia did as well as like whatever you picked from your garden, like, or the farm. It's just, that's exactly it. And like, that's you, you know, going back to the courage muscles and like self-belief. I think like when I, when I reference courage muscles and building them, um, it is like this progressive overload of um, challenge or uncertainty or like moment that we need to display or have courage in ourselves, and like you practice that in the kitchen because there was no promise that that meal was going to turn out really good right but you nope. did have a feeling and you were like based on the data and my experiences before like when I've combined these play- play- flavors like yeah they turn out okay like let's see what happened like I'm going to take the chance here I knew I I'm had a take lot it. of savers yes, in there <laughs> you knew it and I talk like from like a chemical like flavor level, I, t- I speak to that a little bit of like how you can combine these textures and flavors and like what makes for me like what I've noticed can kind of pull, pull together a meal. But you knew it like you, yeah. you knew that and you yep. took that chance. And it's like I think those chances can start in the kitchen and they carry over. And that's the whole point is like you now reflecting on this and being like, I'm so fucking proud of myself for doing that. And then like you don't realize that this is all happening on a subconscious level, but that translates to your life that translates to you deciding to take a chance on yourself or have like take a moment and like do that thing that's uncertain take that next step like do the make the fucking move that's hard because we know ourselves to be the ones that can do it we've done it before and that starts in the kitchen it's a really safe place to practice and fuck up oh i love that yeah i love that and we always say like what's the worst that happens you order pizza you order pizza you drizzle it in thai pizza yeah yeah and it's gonna make everything better right (laughs) just whip up some of that pv thai and you're fine amanda like i said she has a whole page that is sauce jar proportions this is just like you can Go-tos. throw the sauce mm-hmm. and it's fall it's 145 baby. It's it's um preceded by a section called own your secret sauce. Mm, yeah. And it's all about kind of well you tell this really intimate story about like your experience as an athlete mm. and feeling like when will all my hard work pay off how could I practice so hard and not be like the best yeah. and not be recognized as the winner right yeah but oh, can I talk about that for a second for sure because like this is such a vivid memory to me that I mentioned in, in this section and getting meta for a second figuring out how I was going to tie together these memories I had like I wasn't really sure where they would go and how to connect with the food but it's really satisfying to see like oh how I've like connected it 
like yes. brought it back, brought it back. It's like when you can bring it back as a writer, you're just like, you yes. did that. Um, you did that. Yeah. So like, I remember just this, um, in swimming, when you have your big championship meet, they're always in March and it's prelim final. So you have your swim in the morning and you have to qualify for like your final swim in the evening. So only like top eight or top 16, make it back. And I can remember I was eight and that was like my first prelim final meet. And it was at George Mason University. And I remember just not having the meet that I knew I was capable of having. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this like speaks to a whole other layer of like my ability to maybe like be vulnerable and, and share like this experience with people. But I have a very vivid memory. I didn't want anyone to like know I was upset in myself. Like as an athlete, it's like not okay to like cry on deck or for other people to see that you're disappointed in yourself. Like you don't want to be the downer. Like you want to be there for other people. And I didn't even want my family to know that I was so upset. But like when you're that young and even anytime and you're putting your heart towards something and you're training twice a day and you're putting in four hours of this a day and you, you get wrapped up in it. And I remember coming home from that meet and my parents took me in and I remember like laying in my bed with like just like a quivering lip and just like trying like for no one to hear how upset I was and writing and writing about and just like weeping under my cover because I didn't want anyone to know I was sad but knowing like just writing like when will this pay off like when will all the hard work I put in pay off and I went through like a six-year period of my swimming basically until college where like I plateaued like I didn't drop any time and like when will this pay off and why was I getting so fucking upset about this like no one else is there crying like why am I crying about this all the time at eight years yeah and like why am I getting myself get so worked up about this and it's because like I, I break down like what my ingredients are, like what makes me special, like the sauce, right? And your secret sauce. It, my secret sauce. And like there's ingredients beyond like um talent or like speed, like indomitable spirit, like and care, my my relentless ability to persevere. Like those are ingredients. But I wasn't emphasizing those. I was emphasizing my speed, the way I placed uh, my, the, what, how I contributed to my team. It wasn't the energy I contributed. Like I was looking at it differently. And when I got older, I recognized that like what made me an incredible athlete and like what makes me who I am is how much I care about something. And it's okay to care. Like it's fucking hard to care because when we care about something, it hurts. It like so deeply painful when we don't achieve that outcome we've been seeking. And that's what this is, is like recognizing that like I, like I have to appreciate that ingredient and for what it is. And even if like it, I'm not getting the outcome that I desired, right? Like staying true to like, what is me? And that is like, I care a lot. I care a lot about like, cared a lot about my swimming and how can I hone those ingredients and like show up in my life with it. So, um, that's what this chapter is about. Beautiful. Yeah. And the fact that those, those ingredients can show up in mm-hmm. different ways in your life and still yeah. be as delicious. Oh my gosh, right? And like I see the carryover of that to like what I put into this book. Like I was really scared people would notice all the errors in my book and think that um and then I didn't try that hard or that I didn't really put that much into it. Like, oh if there's error, she must not have read it a hundred thousand times and noticed these things. Like I still have these thoughts. Yeah. And um no I it's just that I care so much about it, yep. you know? And like, but what now I don't see that care as a bad thing. Like I wished I didn't care as much so much when I was younger. I was like, why do I care? Like no one else cares this much. Like 
because they're and they're not hurt by it like I don't want to be the one crying here but now I know to embrace that because it drives me and we need to recognize that there's carryover so like how we approach like how I approach swimming is how I approach writing it's how I approach my relationships it's how I approach the kitchen and like when we own that ingredient it elevates us entirely but like we can't just because it's painful doesn't mean we should like shut it down or that it's a bad thing Mm. yeah i know i I just threw a lot out there it's so beautiful people should just read these yeah (laughs) i hope they do they will because it's it's a life changer Mm -hmm. not to be dramatic but (laughs) changed my life i'm really excited to try all of these recipes um I just love this page. I, especially oh, the color. The She's looking at the know your resources, which is the second step. I have this five step process to how we should, like how we can approach cooking and um, life. I gave people a magnet to put on their fridge. I too. have it over my stove. It's just a reminder. Just like let it be a reminder. But like just like to give you a quick rundown through that. Like taking inventory is about like there's five steps and take inventory is like assessing your inner inventory where are you right now what do you need then know your resources what's around you what do i have what can i work with and like gouda smoked gouda i want to use that smoked gouda it's about to go bad i gotta use it and then it's and the chorizo and the beets <laughs> and the pickled beets like i have to put all these together like how can i possibly combine it but that goes to the next step which is dream which is what is the like what, how can i wildly combine all of these ingredients together in a way that's never been done before like let's get creative Crunchy and then rice. you start crunchy rice, but then you taste as you go, you taste that crunchy rice. You're like it needs more crunch. I'm just going to burn the shit out of this. <laughs> and then you take that meal with Remy and it is nourishing yourself. Like when you take a moment to actually pause in the process and like feel the actual goodness of what that process gave you, not just the meal, not just the, the ingredients that we talk about, that's whole self nourishment. And yeah. so that's how it all comes together. So Amen. Yeah, so when a page as Amelia is on is like the kind of the cover page for that section. And it's beautiful because Nat put each of the non-recipes on a bowl with the page number and the name of the non-recipe. So you can go right to it. And it's just this beautiful uh, off-the-page sort of collage of each of the non-recipes. And it's artistic and beyond what I ever could have imagined or asked of her to do, but she did it. She did And that's did why that. she's so incredible at it. She really did. Mm-hmm. We have Choose Your Own Adventure Trail Mix Cookie, which is full mm-hmm. of, like, nuts and oats. And yeah, and really meats. anything that you have. You could do coconut. You could do I raisins, anything. I love it. Buffalo collie mac and cheese. Okay, last Buffalo night cough, cough I salad. made... I used the collie inspiration to like make a rice noodle bowl yeah. and I was cooking. I feel like I was cooking alongside a friend who was also, she messaged me on Instagram. She's like, I'm making the Buffalo cauliflower tonight. I'm like, send me a picture. Cause I'm making it too. Sans <laughs> the Buffalo sauce. But, um, the key is that it's just crispy and the textures are comforting. And I, I love, love this that. for the fall. I love that. We have rice paper cakes, mm-hmm, which, which is like, I love the variety here. You can have that in the spring or in the winter because in the spring you can just not uh, fry it, which is a very light fry, like toast it in the pan. But when you have it in the winter and fry it and it's like warm and crunchy, Oof. like you can just go either way. You can cook up the ingredients and then put it into the rice cake or like you can have a raw one in the spring and it's just like crunchy yeah. and refreshing. So yep. it goes either way. And a lot of these non-recipes 
are meant to be flexible for the seasons too. So know Ooh. that you can't adapt them with the ingredients or the, the temperature or the cooking methods. Mm. I have rice paper. I'm going to totally it, make Double that. crunch that baby because Oof. I'm telling Some you when you... Some sweet potato. Yeah, and a PB Thai sauce to dip it into. Oh my gosh, <laughs> put on the Thai sauce. Put it on the Thai sauce. <laughs> we also have spaghetti squash bolognese mm. and Indian-ish mm-hmm. inspired veggies and homemade naan. That's an important one to read. Um, I talk a little bit about how... We, I say ish very intentionally there because um, in, in claiming another culture and way of cooking, um, I know I'm not doing service to what they put into that meal. And I actually talk about a little bit of research into like how we can better um, use language around other cultures, foods, and how we approach it and making sure that it's clear that this was inspired by that. I'm not making the authentic dish with the spices and a lot of the intention that's behind those dishes. So Very much appreciate yeah. that because there's a whole like regional yeah. and cultural and like family yes. association yes, absolutely. and history. With and that's not included food. in that. And But I hope it invites people to research it and I include some resources there. Yeah. And that. like if we don't have a tandoor oven, then like yeah. you're not going to get yeah. that. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> but like you can make it, you can become inspired by their process and, and not just. Um, it's genius. It is genius. And like the flavor combinations are like just as wholesome to us. But just know that um, there's a lot of history that goes into that. Respect. That we don't know and respect it. And yep. I think we can learn a lot from other cultures and food. So that's also what makes food so complicated. But we don't need to, like, tiptoe around that. We can we can very much embrace it and just make sure that we recognize our place in it. I totally agree with that. I, I really – going back to our um, conversation in the beginning, beginning, like pre-intro, mm-hmm. where we were talking about – our late night conversation at three notched Uh, and and all of the the ways that we can play with celebration and mm -hmm. food I really want to kind of go in that direction as we're ending to talk about like when we're we're bringing ourselves into celebration and we're kind Mm. of crafting celebration especially things that are surrounded by a lot of tradition like weddings Mm -hmm. or you know, it could be a lot of things. Even coming up with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, right. Yeah. We're a week away. I'm hoping that some people will be kind of listening to this as they're Maybe getting ready to travel. Maybe and... rethinking about their approach to that time of year, too. And Right. Because another, another problematic, another problematic <laughs> thing you know, about food. That we, like, over-emphasize um, the gratitude, the coming together, when, like, it was actually a very... Um, we completely extractive yeah we just look at thanksgiving very wrong violent that is not what it was um some people i know call it thanks taking yeah or thanksgiving <laughs> and trying to recognize like what's the real story around yeah. like colonialism and settlers coming in and taking over yeah diseases and then bringing it to today like we don't need to have a prescriptive menu yeah. that is like way too much food yeah and oh my gosh that's another thing like the food waste that's created and we can get really creative about using leftovers of our meal but it's like also there's like sometimes it's not even enjoyable for families because it's just stressful it's like oh my gosh i have to yeah make this turkey i have to make these five dishes on the side and it's like you never cook like and that it turns out dry yeah and then the day <laughs> is ruined it's like maybe we could what would what would it look like if we actually did it in a way that is like more honest to us and and how we celebrate as a family and maybe we we look at it as a little bit of a different day like instead of like celebrating Thanksgiving necessarily but 
just taking time together as a family, like having a reason to get right. together. Like, what does that look like for you yeah. guys? Um, for like, are you asking how that looks like for me? Um, well, I'm asking. So I. I went a yeah, long sorry. way to yeah. the question, but... <laughs> we like the long way. It's okay. There's many paths we could take, but I think there was an initial question before that question of... Um, of your wedding. Yeah, of the so wedding, So, like, yeah. why... Can you tell us about the choices <gasps> oh, that you're making yeah. around, like, your wedding and food and just how you want the celebration to really reflect you? Mm, what? We're still deciding how we want to create ceremony, how we want to invite our family in, into that celebration. The one very easy, though, decision was how we bring food into the mix. And one thing that is, there's nothing more important to me than uh, words of affirmation and food. Those are my two languages. And I, um, you know, I knew that food needed to be a part of it. And food is very important to Andrew as well. And so we had a conversation about potentially um, how we invite people in to celebrate with us. And it was an easy decision to do a potluck. It was like when we shared that and bounced that idea with friends, they're like, there's no other way than like, that's just what you guys do. I was worried that people would think of it. And you're always worried about how other people are going to perceive your wedding because they're taking the time to come out and celebrate this day with you. And how dare you inconvenience them? Um, yeah. Wedding culture is a little crazy. But, it is. Um, and there's a lot of things I don't agree with, but this one felt really true to us. And it was asking people to contribute and celebrate in a way that's sharing and gifting something that's special to them, which is food. And, of course, if they're coming from out of town, like, we're very clear, don't feel stressed to bring something. But if you feel so inclined to to share something or provide a gift, let that be food. And, like, share that recipe with us because I want to carry on. And, and there's such emotional attachment to remembering that dish and that experience on what that day will be and I want to recreate that with like every single time I can remake someone's dish or try to or honor them um and it'll be a potluck style and of course like we'll find more food to fill but potluck and then share a message like share what that means to you and I hope that we can read that and create like our own little cookbook one day and share out to friends and yeah it I think that was the beginning of us reimagining what what wedding celebration like can really be for us like mm. it doesn't have to look or be the way that we've we've attended a lot of weddings and um that's not to say like we always respect and appreciate the weddings that we go to because that's our friend's way of like sharing and 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 uh, expressing their love and Absolutely. like I'm not one to say that's not uh ingenuine like I love that and I often caught crying or tearing up because I do think it's so beautiful but what's the how's that for me and Andrew though I need to make sure that's true to us yeah I love that so much <laughs> and like you said at the beginning food has it carries so much meaning with it yeah and so for people to be able to gift you in the time of that celebration yeah. and then going forward as you like have a little copy of that recipe yeah that is something that can really bring back the visceral sense yeah. memories yes. of that day that only happens once. It only happens Unless once. you want to get married more than once yeah, I know. to the same which, person. Yeah, which sometimes <laughs> people, like, when they have, um, like, families across the globe or they have, like, very different religious backgrounds or, like, faith, they have different types of celebration. Like, and I'm like, so for that. Like, when yeah, I'm I 60, think really cool. I want to get married again yeah, like, to, why? like, why the not? same person yeah. and just be like, weird. Or what's the way that this is true to us now? Because that's obviously going to evolve. If Andrew and I were to have gotten married 10 years ago, I think how we would have approached a wedding would have been really different, too. Especially considering you did not know each other at all. Yeah. <laughs> It would have been really different. That would have been arranged. Yeah. There's there's just, um, I think, 
our approach is obviously going to evolve with ourselves. So that's going, like, if we are constantly evolving like we hope to be, that's going to change. And the other beautiful thing about the potluck is that when you invite a potluck, there can be this sense of, like, let's make sure we have enough food. But everybody always just brims yes. with the gift oh. of food. Like, there's always mm-hmm. this beautiful spread of so much abundance. Oh. And it's reflecting of, like, all the different types of people in our life. Like, I feel like what that person brings is a unique... Um, depiction of who they are and then you have all the colors and textures and origins of the meals it's like seeing that all come together like that is the spread like that is the heart of the wedding like having that moment together it's like wow there's no better way for us to come together and recognize like all these people in our life coming and sitting at one table together I love I'm not like that just like I get like choked up thinking about it because it's gonna be so amazing and hopefully I have enough room in my stomach for all of it too (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love that um, I wanted to do a little lightning round. Oh, are these the, the questions from the IG? Yes. So we had our, we did our little question box. We've touched on some of the questions, but mm-hmm. we had our little question box on the gram and some people were just throwing out fun questions. So I put them <sighs> okay. together into like a little lightning round. I love that people participated in this. Let's go. And it's kind of like a this or that okay. kind okay. of thing. Okay. Just for quick, fun. quick, I won't so, go yeah, deep. You'll just kind of do whatever comes to your mind. Yep. So, what's your comfort food? <sighs> comfort food. Uh, easy one is a bowl of, like, just kind of what I had last night. Rice noodles, some vegetables, like, cooked up, and, like, a protein and a tofu tempeh with a saucy sauce. Saucy sauce. On your secret sauce. Secret sauce. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Fruits or vegetables? <sighs> I, I, vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> However, there's so many fruits I love, and my mind goes to the persimmon tree outside of EMU right now, which is just like has a less few like crinkly persimmons on the tree that I just can't wait to eat on my way back. <laughs> She's resisting the yeah. urge to go deep. Yes, I am. Uh, which vegetable is speaking to you these days? Sweet potatoes. Hey, sweet potatoes. Full moon or new moon? Full baby. Spring or fall? Ah, we're going to go fall right now, but talk to me in the spring. Okay, you're in it for the chaos. I love it. Um, beer or wine? Beer. Savory, sweet, spicy, savory, or sour? Savory, don't even need to go no further. Last question. It doesn't have to be as quick. Okay. But what's a non-recipe you've made recently that you're proud of? Um. Okay, so there was one that was just like a home freaking run at the launch party the harvest party which was how I brought my birth this book in with and shared the celebration with people and like why it was really meaningful to me was because this wasn't just like the harvest of this book right like I actually preserved all the food from my garden all year for like all summer for this and I froze it and then I not only was like the host of the event but the event coordinator the shipper and packer the chef you know the florist so um I was busy preparing food going up to that and they were all seasonal variations of the non-recipes in my book and there was one well beside the butternut queso people were obsessed with that um the date crumble bars I made a very Nutella date crumble bars I made a variation with um spice like warm ginger apples (gasps) and I did like a date like caramel base and then I like cooked up the apples and then I like add more crumble on top and like people just dove right into that and I've 
yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. <laughs> and people were just like, what? How did this happen? And I'm like, it's in the book. And so that's like kind of an example of how you can just like get creative with the seasons and adding different, like you could make a blueberry crumble with that, but there's so many different ways. It's like all these non recipes are a foundation. And that one, like I continue to rediscover them. I continue to rediscover what the possibilities are with an open mind and like working with whatever ingredient I have at the time, which was local apples. Mm. And that one is like, yeah, go make that. You can't mess it up either. It's, it's so in easy. The book. It's in the book. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a good one. Thank you so much, Amanda. This has been extremely fun. And yes. I'm, I know everybody's excited to buy the book. Mm. Where can they? Soon, soon, it should be loaded on Amazon. Side author note, there are just some things you can't control, and that is Amazon. Mm -hmm. And, like, it really was a stinker that (laughs) – it was a stinker, for lack of a better word, that the, like, paperback is not loading on Amazon. And I've been, like, working and being on the phone with, like, managers and senior editors there being, like, why isn't this going on? But I can't control that. So it's on my website now. Go to my website to buy it. It should be on Amazon soon. Fingers crossed for this week. If you buy it through my website, I personally like get, write a note in everyone's book and give you a magnet and give you a sticker. And if you're local, I can hand deliver that to you. If you're not, I will ship it out to you. And they come quick. Like they get there quick as long as my next shipment comes in. So go to my website, amandapressgraves.com. I have a little store and my book's on there. You heard it here, folks. Yes, you did. Thank you so much. I'm excited <laughs> Thank you. for the for the next uh, gathering. Me too. Full of non recipes. I yeah. I think there's there's some good ones coming up. And also, thank you for having me. This is actually the first pod I've gotten on and talked about my book. Um, I've been very much like in the writing process, not in the speaking process, and didn't really plan that out at all. And conversations are just like happen- happening kind of effortlessly like this, and I love that. So yeah. thank you for giving me space to dive in and talk about this. I think by how much I was just bursting out, it was very evident I haven't spoken to this that much. I've been like writing, 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 and now it's like, blah. <laughs> I think that's more so of our dynamic. <laughs> I think so too. So just, yeah, thank you for this space. I was so looking forward to just like locking ourselves in this little call room. <clears throat> studio. <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> in the studio. And going off and drinking a lot of coffee. <laughs> it was a pleasure. It was. Thank you for having me.